<laughs> it's breakfast time. I like my eggs. Gives me energy for the day. He's going, I don't know about fasting today, Lord. How about tomorrow? He's like, well, you don't have to, Matthew, but if you want to, I got something for you. I was like, oh, well, if you put it that way, Lord, you got something for me. And uh, somebody around our family has got this thing that, uh, would you love to? Would you love to? It's like that's what the Lord was saying to me. You don't have to, but would you love to? Yeah, I love to, Lord. So I went to school that day. I, I got the privilege of teaching high school students at our school. And I went in there for first and second period. And first period went through. And then I started second period with my favorite students, about 15 eighth graders. And there, yeah, Emma Brubaker, she was in that class back when she was in eighth grade. World Geography, her favorite class to this day, I promise you. You talk with her, she'll tell you about that. But anyway, it happened to be this class, Emma. And uh, I opened class just with a prayer like we normally do. And because uh, we can do that at MCA. It's a good, good thing. And anyway, when I did that, uh, really it was an unusual prayer, honestly, because the presence of God just came into the room and came on me in a way that I just got a prophetic thing and I spent the rest of the class period, unbeknownst to me and to my surprise, prophesying to these 8th graders about their destiny in God, about their destiny in this school, about how they're going to be used to set the captives free that come into MCA in the future, and they're going to go forward, and they're going to worship, and they're going to prophesy, and they're just sitting there like, you know, on the edge of their seat, just soaking it all in. But I could see the prophetic voice of God going into their soul realm, and really touching their hearts. Not to my glory, it was just something God happened to be doing. So I walked out of there after I was done, and the Lord said, See, I, I told you I had something for you. I was like, oh, that's what that was about. That's pretty cool, Lord. Well, if that's the way it works in fasting, just tell me when to eat. You know, because I can't get enough of God. You know, no, I'm not on like a 60-day fast now. In case, you know, I'm just saying, I can't get enough of God. So I had a shift in my perspective because, see, I always thought that fasting was something that you do in order to get God to do something. You see what I'm saying? You need an answer from God. Well, let me fast and pray about this and get the answer from God. Or, you, you know, there was a situation where the disciples were t- trying to get this epileptic boy healed. I don't know if you remember this or not. But they got real frustrated because they couldn't get the boy healed. And they went to Jesus and they said, Jesus, what's the deal? Why can't we get this boy healed? And he said, oh... Well, these kind only are dealt with through prayer and fasting. So I always, from my previous perspective, I thought, oh, what that means is if you will fast, then God will do something here. Well, that may be part of it, but let me offer you this. Maybe what he was saying to them is, as you fast, guys, your spiritual eyes begin to open up and see the spirit realm. So when you see this epileptic guy, you can see what his problem is right there. Whether it's spiritual, you know, whatever the case is. And you know how to more effectively deal with it and pray and to where the power of God can come and break that chain. You see, but that's fasting and fasting and prayer go together. I don't want to get off on a whole big thing about fasting today. But you see, prayer works the same way. It's not a have to, it's a get to. Right? How many, of, how many people honestly now have ever experienced the, the prayer of have to? Raise your hand. Okay, good. I'm in good company. In other words, I have to pray like it's a... Um, you know, you love God, but you get into a perspective to where 
you know, it's like I have to pray every day if I really want to be spiritual. But you see, I tell my eighth graders, I was like, guys, man, I'm addicted to God. I'm like a crackhead that needs another fix in a, in a spiritual perspective. i got to get more of God. I'll do anything to get more of God, even if that means not eating. You know what I'm saying? And so teenagers come to me with these questions. Questions like, Mr. Bollinger, is it okay to listen to such and such a band? <clears throat> Wrong question. To the next one. Mr. Bollinger, is it okay, you know, in a dating relationship, you know, where should the boundary be? Uh, wrong question. The reason it's the wrong question is because when you get addicted to God, it's no longer a question. You see, you don't, it becomes a non-question. You stop asking not only Mr. Bollinger that question, but also God that question because it's no longer a question in your heart because all you need is God. All you need is more of the Holy Spirit. So what I'm telling you here this morning is what we need in this church is more of God. We can jump and we can say, it's okay. It's okay. Isn't that great? That's liberating, isn't it? In the first service, Byron was talking about how guys need to... The, he was, I mean, in a graceful way, he was really just asking if there was any guys that wanted prayer to be able to get out of their reserved natures and really expressively worship God because he was saying that's who he had been or who he was naturally, you know, his personality. And so um, he was praying for people about that. We had Lord touch some guys last week, I guess, in this service over here in the spiritual mosh pit or whatever. So I was thinking about that, though, because in mind, I can say I have a reserved personality, but in my natural man, as soon as Carolina Tar Heels start playing, I'm not so reserved. You know what I mean? I mean, if the referees are making bad call, I'm going to let them know about it. It's a terrible call. What's the coach doing? Or, you know, whatever. Or when they're winning, like they will today, Marla. He's a Georgetown fan. See, the sky's Carolina blue. It's not gray and dark blue. When we're winning, I mean, people are going ballistic. Any Carolina graduates in here this morning? Oh, yeah. Janet can testify there's plenty of reserve men, college students, that paint their bodies, probably, at basketball games, right? So it's a good thing, because what happens as we worship God, our perspective changes. Our perspective changes. Prayer enables you to see into the spiritual world using your spiritual mind, the mind of Christ. Let that mind be in you while rejecting the natural mind. Get rid of the natural mind. It's a, it serves a purpose. I'm not saying check your mind at the door, but we need the Spirit of God to rise up. Spirit man, come forward. I'll tell you one guy who had a spirit man working big time was Dan. You know, Daniel. Dan Squires. <laughs> yeah, him too. Daniel Baker. All the Daniels. And Daniel Harkness. Daniel in the Old Testament. You've got to think, this guy lived thousands of years ago, but um, as far as God's concerned, it's like it was yesterday. Okay? So when we read about his experiences this morning, I want you to remember it's like Daniel sitting right next to you as far as what's possible in the spirit realm. You got that out? 
Alright, he's got, as far as what's possible, this is possible today. But it's a matter of Daniel's perspective. Because you've got to remember, by the time we get to this story, Daniel has already seen his nation rebel against God and be taken into captivity. Him and Ezekiel are the prophets of the captivity. Right? So they've already been taken to captivity. He's already gone through the fire, you know, the furnace, and seen his friends being dealt with in that, seen that miracle. He's seen handwriting on the wall. He's been thrown into the lion's den. Right? Everybody remembers that story from Sunday school at least, right? He's thrown into the lion's den and God shut their mouths of these hungry lions. I mean, he's seen these real practical miracles of God in his life. His perspective is definitely involved in that thing. Let me tell you what your perspective is. In my class MCA, we call it a worldview. And a worldview is the way that you see God, and it's the way that you see yourself, and it's the way that you see others, and how you relate to those things. If our perspective is just slightly off in the natural mind, then we can miss what the Spirit of God may be doing. So we need to have that mind. Amen? You guys with me? Before we go to Daniel, the Lord dropped three words in my spirit last night as I lay down to sleep. You know what's beautiful about the Spirit of God? You can spend hours like trying to prepare for something, and you just go take a nap and bloop, you know, download. You experience that, Jackie? It's like really cool, you know. It's the uh, Bob Jones model of ministry. I've, I've noticed that about Bob and listening to him. It's like he's just an old guy that does things that old guys do. And, but the difference is when he just takes, lays down for his afternoon nap, he has like angelic encounters and all kinds of dreams and visions. It's like, man, that's what I want to do. Just live life, but from the mind of Christ and the spiritual perspective. Right, it's for everybody. Yeah, we can have it. It's for you. All right, so turn to Daniel 10. This is pretty cool here. All right, um, starting in verse 2. In those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth. What's that called? Fasting. Nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. What's that all about? Does that mean you didn't take a bath? Oh, it's stinking? <laughs> wow, I don't know about that one, Lord. Uh, now, on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris. Where was he at? What's his location? He was by the river, wasn't he? He was by the river in Iraq, called the Tigris River, modern-day Iraq. In Babylon of those days, close to modern day Baghdad. He was there by a river, the real river of God. You know what's cool about that is Ezekiel, I mentioned him and Daniel were prophets of the captivity. Do you think our, our, our land is in captivity today spiritually? We're spiritual captives. Okay, this was this guy, these guys' situation. Ezekiel, when he had his vision starting in chapter 1 of Ezekiel, you know where he was? He was beside the Euphrates River, or a channel of the Euphrates River, the Chabar Channel, I think. So here we got one guy by the 
Euphrates and one guy by the one guy by the Tigris. For those of you who study Western Civ, that was the cradle of civilization where the first great empires of the world began. It's also the location for the Garden of Eden. Right? So out of those real, out of the throne room of God came the river of God, which manifested as real rivers that came out of the garden that even created through God's Spirit man, and from Him woman. Pretty profound. I think there's a lot to that, but that's not my purpose today. So he's by the river, and then in verse 5, he says, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of Euphaz. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision. But a great terror fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. They must have been feeling something. <laughs> they didn't see in here, but they was feeling something because they were hiding behind a rock. Therefore, I was left alone when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained, and no strength remained in me. For my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. I want you to notice posture here. Yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. So what was Daniel's posture? He was like this, face down, like in a deep sleep on the ground. And notice what this angel said to him, verse 10, Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. So if you're new here this morning and you wonder what all the trembling and shouting and screaming and carrying on is all about, it's in the Bible. This is what happened to Daniel. He was flat on his face before God. He was trembling. He was shaking. If you think about how big God is, is God pretty big? And you think about how small we are. Can you imagine that even just a little minute, minuscule piece of God would make you shake? You know what I'm saying? saying? So it's a good thing. Don't be afraid of it. Actually, I'm going after it. That's part of my addiction is more shaking, Lord. Just let it shake, rattle, and roll. Whatever you want to do. Because I know it lights a fire in my belly that cannot be consumed. I know it gives me a passion for the lost. It gives me a desire to know what the Bible says. It gives me a fire to pray and intercede and stand in the gap for our president and for our nation and for our school children and for our friends. I looked at Seth standing up here this morning and God says, I'm breaking his heart. And I, went, I hope you don't mind me sharing this, Seth, but I went to Seth I was like, Seth, is God breaking your heart? And he's like, yeah. I said, let me pray for you. I just pray that God would break His heart for the lost. That when you look at these people that are your age, Seth, in the community and in your life, that, that are just wasting their life on drugs or whatever scene or whatever this or whatever that, that you would not condemn, but that your heart would be filled with compassion. That your heart would be broken. That you would weep in intercession. Even through the night hours if it requires. Jesus said to His disciples, Can you not pray all night? Can you not pray all night? I can't. (laughs) 
I'm not here preaching a message to you of condemnation. I'm saying when the Spirit of God comes upon us, we can do the unusual, the supernatural. Next week, we're going to be praying all night. Okay, you're going to, people, we've done this for a week. You're going to sign up. You're going to pray at unusual hours, some of us. You know, when like the coffee just can't be strong enough normally. But you've got to understand something. There is a great, tremendous release of power when the people of God come together in unity and pray continually. Read the book of Acts. The book of Acts constantly uses this phrase exactly seven times. I counted them. Seven times with one accord. With one accord. And very often connected to that is continually continually with one accord. In fact, in one story, Peter was imprisoned by, uh, by Herod that was wanting to kill him. was wanting to execute him. You remember that? Herod had already executed James. And now he had Peter in prison, in maximum security prison. And uh, he was get, waiting for the Passover to come, which is coming up this, in April here, an anniversary of that. He's waiting for that time of the year. He's going to bring him out and execute him make a statement got to consider Peter was probably pretty scary and the church you know what it says they were doing the the church gathered together and constantly prayed for Peter and you know what happened a release of war angels I mean some big bad angels they had to been bad dudes they broke up in there and just demolished the chains and got this guy out of maximum security prison I'm saying this is the Bible this is today Okay, this isn't book of Acts like this is today. Continual prayer. Continual prayer and intercession. It releases a tremendous power. Okay, I'm getting sidetracked. Where was I? Then he said, okay, let's start in verse 10. Yeah, oh, verse 11. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved. There's the first key. When you have an understanding of God's heart for you, that He loves you, He He loves you, He loves you, that He loves you, (laughs) that love gets poured out on the world, doesn't it? You know, if you're here today, God loves you. He really—I mean, Daddy—he really loves you. He wants to take you up in His arms and sing you a bedtime song. You know, I mean, He wants to rock you. He wants to heal you. He wants to touch you and He wants to send you out. Whatever that means. Send you out. Fill you up and pour out through you. So Daniel had that revelation, that spirit of adoption. Remember where he was at. Probably didn't have his mama. Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. Sometimes I don't know... Well, I'll confess this. I don't understand the Bible completely. You know, and if we say that we completely understand everything in the Bible, we're lying to ourselves. (laughs) That's just the truth. We're in spiritual pride. We're talking about this one night. Kim Fortune was saying, you know how much I know about God? 0.000001% at best. You know what I mean? But it's wonderful, and it feels like a lot to my little finite brain. But there's so much more. And the exciting part is we'll never get to the end of God. 
we'll never get to the end. It's eternal. If God is spirit and God is eternal, then that means we can never get to the end of God's love, God's compassion, God's supernatural experiences, God's signs and wonders and miracles. We can never get enough of that stuff. A lot of Christians stop at their salvation experience. Don't stop there. There's more experiences. There's greater things even that God has for you throughout our lifetime to continually be full. If, again, if you're new around here, that's why you see people coming back time and time again and getting prayer and getting filled and getting full. Because we believe in that. We like it. Yeah, full. It's pretty cool, really. Yeah, we love it, actually. <laughs> if we're just going to say it bluntly the way it is, we love that we can't get enough of that. We're not going to apologize for it. Because Paul said he was willing to be a fool for Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of Christ. Because I've seen people addicted to alcohol get in a river and just say, before I didn't love God, now I do. And their, and their desire for alcohol completely goes away. We're desperate. We're desperate for a church in America with power. we got to have the power of God. And that power begins by understanding that we don't understand. <laughs> we don't understand it all. But if we say, well, I know 99.56% of God has spiritual pride. And what you're going to see here is one of the keys to supernatural encounters with angels like here for Daniel is humility. Humility. Let's read on. It's still in verse 11. What are you laughing at? <laughs> While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. What was he doing? He was shaking like a leaf, baby. <laughs> he was really trembling. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel. That's probably a good thing to say because Daniel must have been a little overwhelmed by his strange experiences here. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. Yeah! Woo! Why did God come? He came because of His words. Isn't that great news? Now, let's make this real. What, were, what do we call those words? Prayer. Now, isn't that a little bit different perspective on prayer? Then, well, I've got to pray now my 15 minutes every day. No, it's because when Daniel released his prayers through fasting and prayer, not only did he get blessed by trembling, falling out, laying on the ground, having angelic encounters, but he became a mighty man that release change in the world, the world of His day. Isn't that what we want to do? That's why we can't be a powerless church. Because we have to release change for the kids. For the kids, y'all. I've seen kids turn to Wicca and psychics. I'm talking about church kids. Okay? And that concerns me. That concerns me. Because power is real. All power is from God. There's a little bit of power that Satan has. And kids get deceived because they just see that little ounce of power that Satan has been permitted to use. And they think, and somebody, somebody at school says, Hey, I can tell you how to get what you want. It's just white, white magic. It's not all that bad. You know, you know what I call that? You've seen the Chronicles of Narnia, right? It's Turkish delight. 
Ooh, it looks so good. It's not that bad. But what happened, what happened to Edmund? He got in chains. He got enslaved. The, the witch was going to kill him. Right? Until Aslan came on the scene. Wow, that's great. Great movie. Great allegory there. But you see, that's what, we, that's what those things are doing to our kids. And as a church, we have to have the power of God manifest in our lives, flowing through so that they can understand, oh, this is what it's about. I get to be addicted to God. Woo! I mean, my little six-year-old hand can lay hands on the sick and see him recovered. Well, if you weren't here, some of our kids laid hands on an older gentleman with terminal cancer, and guess what happened? He had an angelic visitation. He looked up and saw angels standing beside him. And you know what happened? He got healed. He emailed us and said, there's no explanation for this, but I'm healed. Kids! That profoundly affects your life when as a child that happens to you. That's what we've got to have. You see? But all, here's the point I'm trying to make about perspective. It all gets birthed out of the Spirit of God coming on you and giving you that passion and compassion. Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand. He set his heart to understand. He set his heart to understand. Lord, if I could just put this thing in my heart, you know, get it in here, Lord, that I could understand what in the world you're doing. Because what did Jesus say that He did? He did only what He saw Daddy doing. Right? Is that your prayer? Is that your prayer? Because you see, that's where prayer becomes effective. Because when we know what Daddy's thinking, we know how to pray according to what Daddy would want. When we know how to pray according to what Daddy would want, we know how to do what Daddy's doing. Because we can see, just like those disciples that didn't know how to deliver the epileptic, boom, they could see. All of a sudden, down, like, oh, this is how I need to pray. This is the focus. So, this is what soaking is all about, that Byron preached about a few weeks ago. Yielding yourself in the presence of God. Letting the, the Spirit of God saturate you. And it's, it's, you can more easily then tap into a mode of praying according to the will of God. The Spirit of God. Amen? One more thing and I'm done. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that. Oh, so perspective. With one accord. Unity. You see, because we can't have unity with one another without God's perspective. You see what I'm saying? And we really need unity around here. We've got to have it. The devil comes to divide and conquer. That's one of his primary strategies. Divide and conquer. No, devil! You're not going to do that. Personally, that's one of the hardcore prayers I'm praying in the prayer room next week is for unity because I see that as a common thread for revival. With one accord, we've got to be in unity. Humility and prayer. His angelic visitation, his being Daniel's, and revelation were given because of His words and His humility. I have come because of Your humble words. I have come because of Your humble prayer. God, woe is me. 
I'm desperate for you, God. I don't know anything, Lord. But I just want to know what's on your heart, Daddy. I just want to know how to pray. I just want to know how to stand in the gap, Lord. I don't even feel it. I don't even feel it. I know that's frustrating at times. You see, because we relate to church this morning. And there's a divide and conquer strategy of like me get frustrated with Sarah Ruth or she get frustrated with me, you know, whatever the situation is because we're late. Or Andy, <laughs> you know this one? <laughs> oh, you don't know anything about that. Okay, yeah, well, maybe the other couples in here do. But, uh, you know, trying to get frustrated and you come to church and it's wonderful because somehow you can tap into and hopefully get into the presence of God and get His perspective. And then you go away and your marriage better, usually after church than before. So your, I know what your question is. Your question is, Mama, how do I make this work Monday through Saturday? It's a great question. I think you should keep pursuing that question. I think one of the answers is soaking prayer. I think one of the answers is humble yourself before God and let Him raise you up, raise your marriage up. See, you talk about unity. That's got to start in the home, right? Before we can be united with one another. Oh, Lord, help me. So, God placed Daniel in the earth and put things in his heart. He put things in his heart. He's put stuff in your heart, Tracy. You know, real things. I mean, stuff that I just, first person I looked at. <laughs> he put things in your heart like real God things. And here's, what it's, and here's what happened with Daniel. God responded when Daniel began to tap into those things and to seek those things. God responded because of His words. Set your hearts to these things. Set our hearts, Lord, on these things. God will respond! Exclamation point. God will respond. I guarantee you God's going to respond when we set our hearts. And I'll tell you, if you're here this morning, you're not saved. The Lord loves you. And I love you. I'm glad you're here. If you don't know God, what do I mean by saved? I mean, do you have a personal relationship? Can you connect with what I'm talking about being addicted to God? Or are you addicted to something else? Because everybody's drinking from some well. If you're not drinking from the well of God, you're drinking from the well of the world. Something else. Something else. So Jesus said, I came to give you life if you drink from this water. We're talking spiritually, metaphorically here. So I just challenge you, respond to God today, and I guarantee you He's going to make you addicted to God. It's going to be great. It's going to be the most wonderful thing. It happened to me at 19 years old, man, and I, there's no turning back. I'm just ruined, man. I'm just a maniac for Jesus. I don't care what nobody says. Fanatic in the attic. Come on, Andy. Come on, here I Bring come. this thing home. Here I come. Did you want to Yeah, I'm going to yell some more. Oh, I can't help it. No, I just so, I'm so blessed by the goodness of God today. I just want to soak in the goodness of God. Uh, what's that scripture in Daniel, the greatly beloved? Greatly beloved. I feel like, I feel like the Lord just wants to release that to us today. Oh, man. I, when I, I, just, I put my name in there. Do not fear. Uh, let's see. Can I keep going? It's, I think it's... Is it 11? Yeah. 
Oh, oh, Andy, man, greatly beloved. Put your name in there. Say that over yourself, whoever you are. Oh, Doug, man, greatly beloved. Oh, Amy, woman, greatly beloved. Isn't that good? I feel like the Lord just wants to download that to us today. So, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to invite people, just the, the prayer team, to come up here. and just We're just going to get in the love of the Lord today. And, and Brian's going to minister on the piano and just let that soaking music come. And we are just going to enjoy the Lord right now. Matthew was supposed to get me up here, but he forgot. But then when he said that, I really knew that this was the Lord. Um, here, can I get that real quick just so I can set this one? This is what the Lord showed me this week about prayer, and it's just this one quick scripture, and it's exactly what He's saying. So that's why I knew that it was the Lord. It's that John three twenty nine, and this is um, this is uh, where John the Baptist is speaking. But it's John three twenty nine. He says, "He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice." What I was hearing this week is that, that that's what we're understanding, that he who has the bride is the bridegroom, and that we would know deep down, that we would be a people that would know deep down that we belong to the bridegroom, that we belong to the Lord, that we really know that deep, deep down, that we, when we pray, that we know that it says he who has the bride is the bridegroom. So he has us. We belong to him. And who but the friend of the bridegroom who stands. That that's our place to minister to the Lord, to stand and minister to the Lord and hears him. That the Lord would allow us to hear his voice. To hear his voice to hear His Word as we read the Word, that the Word would become alive in us and that we could call things into alignment with the Word of the Lord, that we could call things into the alignment with the Word of the Lord, that we could be a people that really hears the voice of the bridegroom calling, prepare the way, prepare the way for me that we would be a generation that would hear the voice of the Lord and would call things into alignment with Him, that we would see the atmosphere around us change because we see what the Father is doing and we call things into alignment with what He says is true, what He says is holy, what He says is right, that we would call things into alignment with power and authority, that we would be a ministry, that we would be a ministry that is a friend of the bridegroom, that would hear the voice of the Lord and that would call things into alignment with Him. But we would be a ministry that would know, that we would be a people that would know that we are in the hands of the Lord, that that the bride is the bridegroom's, that we are His wholeheartedly, that we are our Father who art in heaven, that we are our children of the King, of the King. I was getting that this week. Lord, You're my Father, but also You're my King. You're my king. So what that means is my father, my father is the king. 
So when I'm coming before my Father, He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And daughter, what are you asking for? What are you asking for? What are you coming before me with? What are you petitioning for me today? Oh, how I'd love to see the things happen that you are calling forth because you're my daughter. You're coming before your daddy. You're king. You're king. You're king. You're king. The king of kings and Lord of lords is your daddy. How awesome. Is your daddy the king of kings, the only king, the only true king is your daddy. Is your daddy. Woo! That's good, isn't it? So Lord, I'm asking today that you would release a word to each one of us, that we would hear your voice, your word of love, your word of adoption, your word of I belong to you, Lord, that we belong that we belong, that we belong to you would be released today. That we would know deep, 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 deep down that we belong to you and we would be released in power, released in power and might to proclaim to the heavenly places what you say is right, what you say is true, what you say is holy, that we would see through creative miracles, Lord God, See the atmosphere change, Lord God, through our prayers, Lord Jesus. So I just want to invite you right now, if you want to be addicted to God, okay, if you're saved or not, if you want to be addicted to God, I just want you to come up here and I want to pray for you. Seriously, I'm going to pray for you. And uh, if you want to just come up here and receive prayer and get in the river, we got all these other people to pray for you as well.